Hey mom, what's going on? No, the flu vaccine. Yeah, of course I got it. Why do you ask? No, yes, of course I got the flu vaccine. We've been over this with vaccines before. Why are you, why are you telling me that I'm crazy for getting it? No, vaccines are not a part of some sort of multinational conspiracy between governments and scientists to depopulate the world. No, 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 that's ridiculous. No, there's no cancer cells. There's no, there's no major toxins. No, the decades of scientific evidence point to being not only overwhelmingly safe, but effective as well at what it does. Okay, so wh why are you getting so angry? I'm going to be fine, and so is everyone else. Okay, look, this is ridiculous, okay? I have things that I need to work on, and I don't have time to argue with you. No, I don't have time to argue with you. Okay, I'm going to hang up now. Okay, I love you. All right, bye. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Critically. I am your host, Jonathan Maloney, and today we're going to be talking about what exactly the structure of an argument is. Because as you may have just heard, I was having what many would consider an argument with my own mom about, well, vaccines and vaccine safety, vaccine efficacy in particular was the flu vaccine. The argument that we were having is different from what I'm going to be explaining to you now. Philosophical definition of an argument within philosophy is very strict. And as a critical thinker, it is imperative that you understand what exactly this structure is. So let's go ahead and get started. So an argument, again, this is the philosophical definition, is composed of exactly three parts. The first part is going to be what's known as the premise. The second part is called the turnstile. And the third portion is the conclusion. And that's it. There's just three parts that have ever composed any argument that has ever been made that's currently being made or any argument that will ever be made in the future. It's just these three portions. Okay, so when it comes to the structure of an argument, again, you have the premise, the turnstile, and then the conclusion. So the premise is going to be any sort of evidence, reason, or grounds for accepting the conclusion. Then you have the turnstile, which is simply just a word such as therefore, ergo, hence, thus, etc., that immediately precedes the conclusion. And then the last portion, so the third part, of an argument is going to be the conclusion itself. So that is what exactly is the point of all of this? And I do want to point out that oftentimes, depending on who you talk to, the uh, the turnstile is excluded from the structure of an argument because it's kind of minimal. Really, the meat of an argument is composed of the premise or premises and then the conclusion. Now that you know how to structure an argument, let's go ahead and do a few examples. Okay, here goes our first example. All mammals have hair. Dogs have hair. Therefore, dogs are mammals. So if we are going to analyze this argument from a purely structural standpoint, the premises are going to be that 
the first statement, all mammals have hair. The second statement, dogs have hair. So again, those are the premises. And then the turnstile is just going to be the word therefore. And then the conclusion is that dogs are mammals. So again, you have all mammals have hair, dogs have hair, therefore dogs are mammals. And that's it. That's the structure of this particular argument here. Now, it just so happens that this is a good argument, uh, which we'll get into in a later episode, because it just makes sense logically, right? Because all mammals do have hair and dogs also have hair. Therefore, they must be mammals. And both of those premises that um, all mammals have hair and that dogs have hair are true. We know them to be true uh, through evidence. And therefore, the conclusion that we reach that dogs are mammals is sound, meaning that it is a good conclusion. So as of right now, um, it's not important for you to know what a good and a bad argument is because we're going to address that actually in the next episode, but you must understand the structure. So let's go ahead and do another example to help illustrate the structure of an argument. It generally rains on Wednesdays in April. Tomorrow is a Wednesday and it also happens to be the month of April. Therefore, it's going to rain tomorrow. Okay, so in this example, we have two premises again. So we have the premise that it generally rains on Wednesdays in April. Then the second premise is going to be that tomorrow is Wednesday and it also happens to be the month of April. So again, those are our two premises. Then we have the turnstile, therefore, and the conclusion, which is going to be, therefore, it's going to rain. Or excuse me, minus the therefore, just that it's going to rain. So again, you have the two premises, the turnstile, therefore, and then the conclusion, it's going to rain. Now, you may be thinking to yourself that this argument doesn't quite make sense. Why is it that just because you put forward or have observed that it generally rains on Wednesdays in April, does that necessarily guarantee that it's going to rain tomorrow? No, actually, it doesn't. And this particular argument is actually considered what's known as an inductive argument because the premises don't necessarily guarantee the strength of the conclusion. Now, that's all that I'm going to say about that here because we're going to go into more detail about good arguments, bad arguments, inductive versus inductive reasoning or arguments in the next episode. But if you had noticed that something was a bit off about this argument, it's a good thing. Don't worry about it and we'll get into more details next time. Okay, so our last example. Before we get into it, I just want to point out that this one's a bit contentious, but that's okay. Why? Because it's really, really important that you learn as a critical thinker to have those hard conversations. You know, in society, people say, you know, you shouldn't talk about religion. You shouldn't talk about politics because people get too heated. That's true. And part of the reason why they get so heated is because they don't know how to think critically. They can't sit back and actually have a conversation about facts. They let belief and emotion get in the way. Well, here at Thinking Critically, that's what it's all about. You are going to learn how to push your emotions aside and sit down and be able to have those difficult conversations to be able to look for the facts, look for the evidence and tell yourself that it's OK to be wrong. If I'm wrong, I, so what? I'm not going to get angry about it. I'm going to follow the evidence, listen to it, see where it leads me. But I'm at the end of the day, I'm not going to avoid having difficult conversations or avoid looking at evidence that contradicts my beliefs uh, because I know that at the that the end of the day that I'm going to be better for it. So that's what we're all about. So we're going to go ahead and tackle this last one. OK, here we go for the last example. 
My neighbor's child started to elicit signs of autism around the age of one after receiving a series of vaccinations. Thus, vaccines cause autism. So here we only have one kind of longer premise. And that premise is going to be the initial statement about observing my neighbor's child who received their uh, a series of vaccines around the age of one and then started to elicit uh, symptoms of autism or signs of autism. The uh, turnstile is just going to be thus. And the conclusion is that vaccines cause autism. Now, you may be thinking to yourself that well, this argument is ridiculous, but why exactly is it ridiculous? You'd be right, because we have hundreds of studies at this point over many, many years, decades, in fact, uh, that don't le link vaccines to autism, but yet it still lingers. And it's there's entire Facebook groups, support groups uh, for people who believe this. And the in the answer from the scientific community has been the same, and it's been consistent because it's based off of all of the evidence surrounding this issue. Now, where exactly does this argument go wrong? And the argument goes wrong in the premise that uh, so you're going to you observed immediately that there were signs of autism after vaccines, and then you're inferring from that. Uh, that vaccines cause autism. So there's a there's a fallacy there, and it's actually called called a uh, false cause, or essentially within the scientific community we refer to this as correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation. Just because you observe two events occurring at the same time or one event sequentially, sequentially right after the another. Uh, after the other, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the one the preceding event. Uh, caused the event that came later. So again, this is call, called a false cause, and it's actually a uh, logical fallacy. And when you observe logical fallacies, as we'll learn later on, when you observe them within a premise, uh, it actually renders the argument bad and you should reject it. Now, again, we're going to go into more detail about what exactly a logical fallacy is, what's a good argument, what's a bad argument, uh, when to accept an argument, when to reject an argument. We're going to go all into this in later episodes. So if you don't understand that right now, it's OK. Uh, we'll get into it. Um, it's just really, really important that your takeaway from this particular episode is that you have the three portions or just two, depending on, uh, again, who you listen to. But for this case, we have three. So we have the premise. Then we have the turnstile and then we have the conclusion and that's it. OK, so that's all that I've got for today, folks. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And now that you know exactly how to structure an argument or the what the what the structure of an argument is, uh, next time we're going to be going into what is a good argument, because it's really, really important that you understand as a critical thinker what a good argument is. I mean, if you think about it. All of the arguments, like decisions that you make in your life, they're preceded by arguments that you tell yourself. And then you go out into the world and you make these decisions that direct your life. So it's imperative that you are making, uh, that you are directing your life with a foundation of good arguments. So we're going to get into that next time. So make sure to subscribe, folks. Uh, so that way, any sort of upcoming episode releases, you will be the first notified. And remember that together we can help the world to think better. Thinking Critically was brought to you by Grips Visual Marketing. 
they helped me to bring this podcast to life um, when it was just an idea. So that being said, if you're wanting to do a podcast and in need, don't exactly know where to get started, or perhaps you need some video services, make sure to check them out. You can find their information in the show notes.